0: Hello, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Stay Mama Podcast. Today, I am so excited to have back with us Kelly Hutchinson. She is just an incredible woman. I have learned so much from her in just the short time that I've known her. So, I am very excited to hear what she has to say. If you didn't get a chance to go back and listen to our mini episode, I would definitely. Take a little break, go back, listen to it. It's just a short little segment, but I promise you it is just packed with some amazing, just wow moments that really changed how I approach things. And I can't wait to see what she has in store for us today because I just know it's going to be amazing. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to have you here. That was
1: quite the intro. Thank you. Oh my goodness. You're so sweet. Yes. I love sharing all the things.
0: Oh, and you have so many things to share. Honestly, I don't even know where to begin on how many things that you could help me with right now.
1: I'm obsessed with helping. And the only difference is that I just read 150,000 books, I feel like a day. And so I just take all the knowledge, then I apply it to my life. And I'm like, okay, that worked. That didn't work. And then I just share it because I just love paying it forward. That's just, there's nothing more rewarding than paying it forward to another mama.
0: Oh, and we thank you so much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just read a lot of books. So I'm just like you.
0: Oh, no, I love that. And I honestly, I can't wait to hear what you have to say today. We kind of talked about it before we started recording this episode. She's going to talk about how to stop yelling at our children. Yes,
1: I get this email 150 times a day. It feels like I've been running the parenting boot camp now for almost seven years. And when they start, I say, what do you struggle with most as a parent? And that's the number one question I ask. And I have probably have about... Four to 5,000 answers from that survey. And 99.9% say, Kelly, I can't stop yelling at my kids. I love them so immensely and so deeply, but they don't listen. So I feel like I have to yell. And then when I yell, they comply. And then it just makes this crazy, vicious cycle. And I go to sleep and I sleep with so much mommy guilt. And then I wake up and I promise on a stack of Bibles I'm not going to do it again. And then I do it again. And it's like Groundhog's Day. And there must be something wrong with me or with my kids how do I stop yelling? So I always tell parents that if you have a very powerful why of how to stop yelling, then the how becomes super easy. And so I go over six ways to stop yelling at your kids. And I like parents to have a couple different whys because when their why is super strong, it's kind of like someone who's stepped on the scale or they saw their picture in a wedding picture. And they're like, I am not going to weigh this anymore. Like I am done feeling tired. I am sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. So when you have that moment, then all of a sudden, when you have that powerful why of how to stop yelling, then the how becomes super easy. The way that we treat our kids now when they're little is acting as a blueprint for how they're going to be expected to be treated later on in life. So if I'm yelling and screaming and name calling my children or one of the above or spanking, whatever it is, then they're going to go into their young adult and adult relationships and they're going to think that that is normal and that feels familiar even though it doesn't feel good it's still going to feel familiar so i want yelling and name calling and any type of swatting completely off the table so then when they do come into their young adult relationships and if that is on the table they will exit stage left from that relationship immediately so that's a very powerful why for a lot of my moms is that the way that they're treated when they're younger is how they're going to be expected to be treated when they're older. Another reason I talk about is that these children do not belong to us. So when you can see your child is coming through you and not from you, then you're not so attached and so enmeshed as their behavior meaning something about us. Because when I was a teacher and a counselor, I always felt like I was really calm in different kids' storms. I had children throwing chairs at me, spitting on me, but I was always super calm. I would never, I would never yell, snap, bark. I would just say, wow, this child's really having a hard time. Then fast forward to when I was a mom, I really struggled my first couple of years because I was yelling, I was snapping, I was barking, I was giving dirty looks. And I didn't realize what the disconnect was. I would say to my husband, I think there's something that my kids need that I can't give them. Because as a, stu- as a counselor and a teacher, I'm really able to handle the calm and be calm in the storm. And I don't have high reactivity. But when my kids would do something little, like interrupt me on the phone, I would flip out. But yet in the schools, I had someone throwing a chair at me and spitting on me, and I wouldn't even think about flipping out. And so what I learned from reading the book, The Conscious Parent by Dr. Shafali, it opened me up like a can of worms. I realized that my children were just a reflection of me. And when we go into the parenting journey, we have such a big ego. Now, ego to me used to be someone on Wall Street that thought they were too hot to trot. And I knew I didn't have that kind of ego because I actually felt very small with my kids. And the ego actually acts as a not feeling good enough. And we enter into this relationship of feeling a sense of lack. So when our children do something like yell or they interrupt us or they are um, you know clingy at a birthday party, we somehow see, think that other people are thinking something about us that we're not really thinking. And we come from that place of not feeling good enough, and that's where we have the high reactivity. It's from the ego. Our children do not push our buttons. They push our ego. So they're a constant reflection and mirror back to us of where we need to grow. And so it's not from a place of beating ourselves up and not feeling good enough. When I realized I was parenting with this fear-based mentality, I was so afraid of messing up with my kids that I was parenting from this fear-based place, and that's where I was messing it up. So I would go into all my interactions with them with this clenched fist, walking on eggshells, very nervous that I was going to mess it up. And so then when they would do something little, like not share their toys, I would flip out and think big things in my unconscious brain, like, I'm raising a child who's going to be a mean girl. I'm raising a child who's not going to be well adjusted. I remember my daughter, she was on the playground following her teacher around, just crying. I want my mommy. I want my mommy. It was like 1030 in the morning. I'm like, I literally had the unconscious thought of she's never going to go to prom. She's like three years old and I'm worried about her going to prom. So our monkey mind gets in the way because we're so afraid of messing it up. So I encourage parents to lean into imperfect parenting and to become a B minus mom and not try to be the perfect mom because I tried to be the perfect mom. And I felt like I was failing every day. Once I became a B minus mom, I took all the pressure off myself and I realized how much ego I was bringing into the relationship. And I was parenting from that fear-based place. And now I tell my kids all the time, I'm just a B minus mom doing my very best. And I know our connection is perfect, but my interactions with you are always going to be B minus. So then I have no pressure when I'm working with my kids and I accept the as is of every single moment. So that's another one of like, literally seeing them as not belonging to me. For me, I see them as the children from God and I'm just babysitting them. So I tell my parents, that's the way of detaching our ego. So if you were babysitting my kids, that's detachment. When I was in the schools, that's detachment. If I was babysitting your kids, that's detachment or an aunt or a niece or nephew, or if we're a coach on a soccer team, I have one client, she's a coach of a um, cheerleading team. And so seeing her, her, players as not belonging to them, she's like, I would never snap at the one that I'm coaching but at my own child, I'm like, that's where you can see the ego, because we think that our children are somehow a reflection of us, and they're really not. They're just someone that we're babysitting, and they're just a soul-having human experience, just like we are a soul-having human experience. So when we see them as our teacher, then we're not so combative, and we're like, oh, what are you here to teach me? Another reason why I encourage parents not to yell is it completely breaks connection. And I always ask on Facebook, what would you do if you had, if you were at your child's school, and you saw the child or you overheard the teacher yelling at your child. What would you do? And every single parent reflex back, says, I would get them removed immediately. I would get the teacher involved. I would, um, I mean, the principal involved. I would get the superintendent. I would pull them out so fast. And I said, you need to have that same protective energy when you're working with your own kids. Because what happens is when we are yelling at our kids, we are breaking connections. And I always have them think back to a time. I had a soccer coach that yelled at me all the time. And I was so discouraged and unmotivated and just felt like I had no zest for soccer anymore because he was yelling so much. And so I always try to reflect back and teach parents of like, when were you ever yelled at? Were you yelled at as a child? Did you have a boss? Did you have a coach? God forbid a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Did you ever have someone that yelled at you? And how did that make you feel? And everybody says the same thing. I felt small. I felt not good enough. I felt like I could never measure up. I felt like why even try? Cause I'm never going to make them happy. And so I say, your children have that same type of impressionability where they're being yelled at. They don't think, oh, I'm doing something wrong. They think, oh, there's something wrong with me. Mommy doesn't like me. Mommy doesn't love me. And then their self-esteem is like completely shattered. And then they just act out even more because behavior is always a language to us. What is this behavior teaching me? And why does it bring up so much emotion? So when we can come from it with curiosity versus reactivity, then we cannot repeat the same patterns day after day after day. So when you're breaking connection with your kids, they're not going to cooperate. They're not going to listen. They're going to be like, oh, it's me against you. And your strong-willed kids will even become stronger and put their heels in even more and put their fists up. They're like, oh, really? You want to go? But when you just come with a completely neutral energy of like, oh, this is a child having a hard time versus giving me a hard time then they see that your palms are up and then they're not so compatible because I have a strong little child and I wouldn't even consider them a strong little child anymore doing this work and becoming a conscious parent.
0: Wow. Uh, all I can say is, wow. I just love listening to you because as you're talking, I'm just reflecting on how I interact with my children and I know my strengths and my weaknesses and some of the things you're saying. I'm just, I'm so glad to be hearing them. So glad.
1: And I love working with parents because I like seeing what it brings up. What The reactivity always comes from ego. It always comes from fear. And I only know that because I worked for so long in the schools because every parent wants to know what's the strategy, what's the book, what's the sticker chart. And when I go beyond that, I'm like, I parented for five years and I had a 20 years of strategies in my tool belt. None of the strategies worked because I was so filled with ego and fear. And so when I came from ego and fear, the strategies weren't working. And when I was in the schools, I had no ego and fear. And so the strategies were able to work. So when we drop the ego and we drop the fear and we drop the not being good enough, then we come to our relationship with our children filled with abundance and love and everything that we want them to absorb from us. Because the the saying goes, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I always tell parents, don't worry about your apples. Just worry about the tree and make sure that the tree is filled with all the traits that you want your children to have. So if you want a child who's happy, confident, good self-esteem, a good relationship with God, whatever you want for your child, just make sure that you model and embody that and then let go of the rest. And that will take the pressure off you completely. Cause I'm not worried about the apples in the tree so much. I'm more worried about the tree and the energy I'm bringing to the relationship because children are very, very, very sensitive to our energy. So the energy, if I bring a huffy energy, then they reflect back a huffy energy, especially your empathic, super sensitive kids. They are like, I got an email the other day from a parent and I was supposed to be at an event and I, I, we had the dates wrong and I just opened the email and I immediately had this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of feeling. I didn't say a word and my daughter's in the back seat and she's putting on her shoes for volleyball and she's like, what's the matter? Your vibration just completely changed. And I was like, how did you know? Are you psychic? And she's 11. When she was three, she couldn't say your vibration changed. But she would act out because of my energy I was bringing to the table. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're psychic. I just got this email. And I'm like, I can't believe that I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. We had a mix up. And she's like, yeah, I could just tell all of a sudden your energy just changed. And so kids are super, because they don't have the language, especially the little ones, they just look to us and they're like, what energy is she reflecting back or he reflecting back? And then they're just a giant mirror to us. What happens is that we're so afraid of looking within that we always are looking at our children and we're like, well, if they didn't do X, Y, Z, then I wouldn't have to act this way. And I always tell parents, well, that's essentially saying they started it. And when you're saying that a one and a three-year-old started it, you're pretty much in a lose-lose because they're always going to start it. They don't know how to change. So when we change and we bring a different energy to the table, they change organically. And I remember doing this work and I was Spent five years again trying to change my kids and it wasn't working. And I was trying all the strategies. I'm like, David, I'm out of strategies. What else? He's like, Well, if you don't know, then how am I supposed to know? You're the quote unquote expert. And then when I read the book, The Conscious Parent, I was like, Oh my gosh, if I'm the problem, then that means I'm the solution too. And that's when I completely took the focus off my kids and just focused on my side of the street. And that's where parenting became super empowering. And not from a place of beating myself up. Because I beat myself up for five years and I promise you it doesn't work. Being hard on ourselves, we're going to be super hard on our kids. When we're kind and loving and we talk nicely to ourselves, guess what? We talk nicely to our kids. It's unbelievable. So the way that we're talking to our kids is just a giant reflection of how we're talking to ourselves. So when we know that, then we're not so looking for external to change. Because we're giving all our emotional power to a one, three, five, seven year old. And that is a lose-lose because they don't know how to change. They're never going to come to us and say, you know what, I think we should work on a relationship and build more connection and stop all this yelling. They're just a giant mirror. And that's what's so cool about kids. Like when we got our puppy, our puppy, if we're running around and we're getting crazy, she gets or runs around and gets crazy. And then when we're calm and there's Christian music playing and there's candles and we're just all very calm, then she's very calm. She's two now. But when she was a puppy, I just saw the similarities of all the things. And when my trainer came over to help us you know, figure out all these behaviors of our puppy. She was like, I'm not here to, your puppy's fine. I'm not here to train your puppy. I'm here to train you of how to interact with the puppy. So that's when parenting became super empowering because the way that I'm interacting with my kids, a lot of times parents come to me also with problems with sibling rivalry. And I said, if you're, what they're doing is they don't know what to do when they're having a basic human emotion, like frustration, stress, anger, sadness. They don't know what to do with these emotions. So the first line of defense is they're going to say, what does mom do when she's stressed out? What does mom do when she's tired? What does mom do when she's angry or sad? Or what does she do when someone cuts her off? What does she do when my brother makes her mad? That's what I'm going to do. It's literally monkey see, monkey do. So I realized once I started doing this work, when I was working with my daughter, my son was in the other room and earshot away. And he would see me being calm and trying different strategies and finding win-wins. And so he would pick that up unconsciously of like, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do when Lily makes me upset. Same thing works when I'm working with my son and he's doing something and he shouldn't be doing, or I'm trying to hold the space and he's having a messy moment, which I call it when they're having a negative emotion, which they're going to have That's part of the human experience. Then my daughter is in the other other room or at your shadow even has nothing to do with this is the greatest way to to heal sibling rivalry because they will see strategies oh that's what mom does when grady's having a messy moment oh that's what mom does when lily's having a messy moment that's what mom does when someone sends her a nasty email or when someone cuts her off or when my husband says something like that's what mom does that's what i'm gonna do and that's where parenting gets super fun because you're not so focused on their side of the street you're only focused on our side of the street
0: wow this is pure gold i'm not gonna lie (laughs) I don't even know where I think that's the problem. I don't, where do you even start now? I mean, you're talking about so many wonderful things that I want to implement now. Where do I start?
1: Oh, I love that question. So the greatest thing to start with is their tantrums. The tantrums are golden for what it brings up for you. Because when I went into my parenting journey, I really thought, I mean, I have a shirt on right now that says happy. I really thought my kids were going to be happy all the time because I'm a pretty happy person. Then I have kids and they weren't happy all the time. I was so annoyed by the fact that they weren't happy all the time because I, in my mind thought if they're happy, then that means I'm a good mom. Well, when they weren't happy, what does that mean? That means I'm not a good mom. Then I started realizing that like, oh, part of the human experience is that they feel stressed, that they feel sadness, that they feel disappointed, that they feel angry. Even though I don't understand why they're upset that I gave them the wrong sippy cup color. Or I gave them, I peeled the banana wrong. That used to really bother my daughter. She wanted it peeled some days and not peeled the other day and she would flip out. So what did I say? Calm down. You're overreacting. Stop it. Go to your room. Go to timeout. What that does is teaches kids that when you have a negative emotion, that means you're negative. That That, that is a bad thing. So what I teach parents is to love the tantrums and teach kids about emotional literacy during the tantrums. Because what will happen is you label the emotion. Oh, I see you're feeling disappointed or sad, depending on the child. First, you have to detach, which is taking your ego completely out of it. Once you're detached, then you go into the tantrum with them and you're like, and you learn how to hold the space. I have a whole podcast episode called Holding the Space. When you don't have an ego, then holding the space becomes super easy because you see the child as having a hard time versus giving you a hard time. So you're detaching the ego and then you're labeling the emotion that you see. You're saying, oh, you're feeling very blank. This is the emotion I see you're feeling because I'm talking like this calm as a cucumber. My son this morning, he was getting a virtual school. His voice was shaking and he's starting to cry and old Kelly would have been like, stop it. We're gonna figure this out. Let's let's, let's do this. I'm like, you're feeling nervous, aren't you? That you're gonna mess up. He's like, yeah, I don't even know. And I'm like, I get that, buddy. I feel that way sometimes too. And just that saying, I feel that way sometimes too I can see him just take a breath. He's nine years old and he just takes a breath like, okay, she's got my back. We're on the same team. If I go into that emotion, because I was feeling stressed because I didn't understand what the problem was, and I'm going to be like, listen, we're going to figure this out. Stop it. And I start getting snappy and stop it. That's going to add fuel to the fire. So now I go into all the emotions. I love when my kids feel negative emotions. I know that sounds crazy, but during that time is when we build so much connection. Because when he's feeling scared or nervous about not doing the right thing when he's on the computer, I can relate with that. I feel that same way every day, just in a different context. So when you can connect on the emotion versus stop it and wanting him to be happy and you'll figure it out and where's your grit and all this lecture, that's just going to teach the child that negative emotions are not okay and I need to stuff them and suppress them. So when they're nine and they're having a negative emotion, I want to normalize it as much as possible. So normalizing, it just means like when I said, I feel that way sometimes too, or sometimes I get frustrated with technology. Then they're like, oh, you're on my team. We're in this together. I'm like, daddy and I, we will figure this out. You are not alone. I'm saying all this, like, you know, reassuring things. I'm like, let's figure this out. I bet this is scary versus don't be scared. You're acting like a baby. You're acting like a girl. I would never say those things, but those are some things that the messages that we send to kids that they shouldn't ever feel negative emotion. What happens when we teach kids not to ever feel negative emotion when they're nine, then when they're 19 and they have that same frustration, then they're throwing the game controls or the computer across the room because they think I shouldn't feel negative emotion. And when I do, that is bad. Or if they have a breakup or they get an F on a test, I want to teach them about emotional literacy as much as possible, that it's normal to feel negative emotion. And this is what we do with it. And so I, I might say like when that, in that situation, do you want daddy to help you with this? Do you want me to help you with this? Do you want me to email the teacher? I don't say all these different things. Sometimes I'll say, do you want help calming down? Or do you want to calm down by yourself? My daughter always wants to calm down by herself. Or my son is like, I need your help. Then when the storm is over, I always tell parents that when your kids are having a tantrum, I want you to pretend like it's talking to someone who's had too much to drink, where they're drunk and they're drunk on emotion. You have to actually sober them up with your calm energy and act as the diffuser. Whereas before I used to be the inflamer. If you're going to act like that, go to your room. Well, that doesn't do anything because next time he feels that emotion, he's just going to act out even more. And it's just like this adding fuel to the fire, fuel to the fire. So when you can like literally run into the tantrums and be like, I get you, boo. That is so connective. And when you have connection, you will have cooperation. Just like if I were to call you after a hard day and say, I've had a really hard day. My boss was on my back. The technology was just ridiculous. I can't believe the amount of emails I got. And if I said to you, or you said to me, get over it, Kelly, you are acting like a baby. Stop. It's not that big of a deal. All that stuff. I would be like, listen, I'm going to call you later. Cause I'm not really that into you. You're not really being a good friend. I don't feel really close to you. But when you're like, oh my gosh, I had that same type of day. I know how you feel. I'm like, I'm going to call you again. And that same energy works with kids. And they're not so strong-willed and they're not so combative because they know that it's you with them versus you against them.
0: Well, I, honestly, I think I could listen to you for hours. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but unfortunately, we like to keep it short here on the Stay Moment Mom podcast. So, I'm going to cut you off. I don't want to, but where can they find out more information about you because like I said, this is exactly what we need to hear right now.
1: Well, I just want every mom to know out there that you are not alone. I was once where you are if you're struggling, if you're yelling, if you're feeling guilty. I was like that for 5 years of my precious life. My now my kids are now 11 and 9. And I have a lot of guilt for those years. And I found this work when they were like around three or five and our life completely changed for the better. And the energy in our home, we were on a stress level or eight or nine on the regular. And now we're like at a one or a two and we pop up to the eight or the nine, but we don't stay there very long and we don't push it away so much because what you resist will only persist. So now I love the messy moments. I love when they get upset and not love it. Like I want it to happen more but I'm not adding fuel to the fire. I'm like, okay, this is where I can connect. It doesn't mean my ego, my ego shows up every single day. The only difference now is I allow the ego to come in with me. And sometimes I'll even say like, what would conscious Kelly do? What would I do in this moment? If I was conscious, because our brain likes to loop and think old thoughts over and over and over. And so that's why it feels like groundhog's day. So for an adult to change is very hard for a child to change very simple. So that's why this work is super empowering. And I read a lot of books and I just share it. And I share it all my podcast called Harmony in the Home. I talk about all the things. I talk about Corona parenting, how to tame the tantrums, how to love the tantrums, and how to diffuse them. Because when you can learn how to diffuse them, you teach them about emotional literacy. So then when they do get upset, before they go from zero to 10 and they're throwing things or hitting things or spitting or yelling and screaming. Before, when they're like one or two, they're like, I'm feeling that emotion again. And they are able to label it. Like, mom, I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling, and then they're able to label it and kind of like cut it off at the pass because they know that I'm not going to get mad that they're having a negative emotion. I'm like, all right, negative emotion, let's do it. That's part of the human experience. And I want to normalize it. So then when they are grown and flown and they feel disappointed and frustrated and sad, they have strategies. Just like when I was teaching reading, I taught my kids with strategies. I'm like, you can sound it out. You can chunk it. You can look at context clues. You can look at the picture. I taught them so many strategies. So now my kids have strategies of what to do when they're feeling a negative emotion, like journal, taking deep breaths, taking a break, going to get their stuffed animal, you know, screaming into a pillow, not so much pushing it away, but actually allowing it in. So then I can teach them when they're two, five, nine, eleven. 11. Then when they're grown and flown, they're going to be like, oh, I've done this before. I know what to do. And it's okay to feel a negative emotion.
0: Like I said, I love this. You are an amazing person. I am so glad that you are doing this work because I think it is so important. And I'm just very glad that you decided to share with us today. So thank well, you so you for much.
1: for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Happy to have you. Um, and hopefully maybe we'll have you back.
1: Yeah, I would love to.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. I hope you ladies having an absolutely amazing day. And if you want more information on the amazing Kelly, I'm going to have it in the show notes so you can check it out and you know me, I'm going to be following her. I already listened to her podcast. Like I said, she's amazing. So you guys have a great day and we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening. If you liked today's episode, could you please take a minute to rate and review my show? It would mean the world to me. Also, let me know if you have any questions or if there's something in particular that you're struggling with so that we can cover it in future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. Remember, progress is being just 1% better today than you were yesterday. You got this, mama. See you on the next episode.